U.S. Defense Department has spent over a trillion dollars on the most cutting-edge robot technology. Introducing RoboSanta Plus for the upcoming holiday season. Where are you going to do this fine Christmas Eve? I was potentially going to go meet up with a dude. I've blown him off twice already, so... Come on, get a drink with your old pal, Robbie. What's up with you two? Did I just grab me a drink? I talk her out of some tender trash. You didn't oh. talk me out of anything. Animatronic state-of-the-art Santa Claus, featured at our own TW Bonkers, is now the subject of an international recall. Santa? From the boys down at the scene yet. They're still down there counting bodies. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike joining me. As always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you? Greetings and salutations, cybernetics experts. Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty well, Mike. How the hell are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, we're, what, almost halfway through December already. What a quick... Uh, holiday season it is becoming uh, luckily we seem to have plenty of Christmas horror releases to get us through this month and uh, we'll be talking about one shortly <laughs> alright also with us it's Don and Ellie what's up Don how are you yeah what's going on always great to be here okay well today's episode we're covering the latest from Joe Bagos the title is Christmas Bloody Christmas. It is currently on Shudder, so probably I would have a, a hunch that a lot of people listening have watched it or at least have access to watch it before listening to this episode. So uh, I would suggest it, as always. So the synopsis, it's Christmas Eve and Tori just wants to get drunk and party, don't we all? But uh, when a robotic Santa Claus at a nearby store goes haywire and begins a rampant killing spree through her small town. She's forced into a battle for survival. All right. Well, uh, was this movie a battle for survival? Let's find out. With general thoughts, beginning with Mr. Venom, what did you think of Christmas Bloody Christmas? Uh, before I get into this one, I do want to talk a little bit about Joe Bagos himself. For those who don't know, I am a gigantic fan of the man. I love pretty much every movie he's done, even even Almost Human, which, you know, maybe is it for everyone. I still really, really enjoyed. 
So uh, maybe my expectations were a little high for this one, but I'm going to say this is potentially one of Joe Bagos's weaker movies. Now, does it make it a bad film? No. I still had a really good time with it. Still got some great kills. I mean, it's got Joe Bagos DNA all over it. Uh, the lighting, the, you know, the very kind of retro camera work, the, the slight grain to the film presentation, you know, it's all just very solidly Joe Bagos. What, what we do get in this movie that we never got before, though, is tropes. Uh, Joe Bagos movies generally aren't filled with tropes. And this one, unfortunately, we get some slasher tropes. We get some Christmas horror tropes. And then we get some tropes that I can't stand, which, you know, we'll get into in the spoiler section. But, yeah, I, I had it for the most part. I had a pretty good time with this movie. Great kills. Um, hard to believe that this is a robotic quote unquote Santa Claus as he has pretty much full human motion throughout the film. Um, the, the actor does try periodically to act robotic, but he almost always loses it. And there's multiple scenes that we'll bring up later on where it's like, yeah, that there's just no way that's a robot in there. But aside from all that, uh, I feel like if you can shut off your brain, you should enjoy this, uh, this one. This movie is kind of a tale of two films when it comes to the main character, Tori, played by Riley Dandy. I absolutely loved her in the first two acts. I thought that the conversations are all very Bagos-like conversations. If we remember back to VFW and Bliss, some of the great conversations in that movie, uh, those movies. And we get the same thing here. We get some great conversation, especially for people like us, genre fans, because there's a great conversation in here about horror movies and how Tori seems to be almost like a, a contrarian when it comes to her you know, horror movie opinions. You know, Pet Cemetery 2 is better than the original. Uh, Book of Shadows is better than the Blair Witch Project. Uh, Freddy's Dead is the best Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Mind you, I've met podcasters who have those exact same beliefs, but it's usually rare and you know, few and far between. Well, you're on a show with a person that believes two out of three of them. Exactly. That's what I mean. So... You know, um, I, I, I liked her because of her, you know, her conviction. You know, nobody was going to change her mind. In fact, she reminds me of Don a little bit. She's very much like Don. Don also has some controversial horror opinions that I've heard from past shows. And but he, you know, those are his beliefs. You know, no one's going to change him. Um, and, and he always has good reasoning behind it. You know, he's not going to just say a movie sucks because it sucks. You know, if Don says a movie sucks, he's going to tell us why, or at least in his opinion, why. And I, I appreciate that kind of conviction. So same thing with Tori in this movie. I loved her conviction throughout the first two acts of the film, but then she just turns into another ditzy blonde in the third act. I mean, I can't count how many times she walked away from this thing thinking it was dead for it to just not be dead. And it's like, how many fucking times does this have to happen before you figure it out, honey? And, you know, it, it literally started to frustrate me to the point where I almost didn't care whether she lived or died by the end of the movie. It's just like, look, can we just end this already? Also, uh probably one of the longest antagonist death scenes ever. This robot fucking takes forever to, to be dealt with, if you will. Um, I don't think that's much of a spoiler. It is a horror movie. We all know that eventually, you know, Mr. Robot guy is going to have to be taken down, but Jesus, that scene just took forever. It was just so long. And every time it was like the Lord of the Rings ending. It was just every, every time you thought it was over. Nope. Uh, five more minutes. Oh, is it over? Nope. Five more minutes. And the movie's only 87 minutes long, too, so it's not like it's a long film. It's just, it, like I said, 
there are certain decisions that Joe made in this film that maybe I don't agree with. Score is still spectacular. Of course, Steve Moore doing the score for all Joe Bagos movies, and he continues that great streak. There's a there's a beautiful scene in this film of it's like a it's like a love scene slash death scene where it's taking place in two different spots. You know, they're utilizing parallel editing, and it's probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It's just so beautifully shot. The song that's playing in the background is just so perfect for the scene. So Joe Bagos, you know, has, like I said earlier, he still has his DNA all over this, but he kind of fell back into tropes a little bit, which, in my opinion, brings it down just like half a step. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to say this will probably be the first Joe Bagos movie that does not make my end of year top 10. And that's saying a lot because pretty much all of his movies have been in my top 10 for their respective years. And unfortunately, I am going to have to rewatch this. I only got a chance to watch it once this weekend, you know, with Christmas shopping and everything else. Um, and I went to the theater to see it, too. I, I should have watched it on Shutter at least one more time before I started this. But, you know, time restraints and all. So overall, I really liked the movie. I did. I, I really enjoyed this movie. Great kills, great score, great cinematography. Like I said, it's a solid Joe Bagos movie, but it's it's just a half step below you know, the, the, his last couple of movies, which I thought were brilliant, but still a really great movie. Okay, let's kick it over to Don. What did you think of Christmas Bloody Christmas? Yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement with a lot of what Venom said. Um, I mean, you know, first of all, kudos for the uh, podcast of recognition, because uh, that was one of the reasons that drew me to her was, yeah, okay, yeah, she's got pretty similar taste to me. Rock on. So, yeah, um, that was a, a pretty big um, immersion factor. But, uh, yeah, a, a lot of what he said is uh, completely true. I, I do absolutely fucking love the first two-thirds of this. I had visions of this in my top five of the year, just based on how good the first two-thirds of this thing are. Um, not just, I mean, you know, Tori and, you know, all of the stuff that I, I liked about her, but everything else that I got about the first two-thirds, the conversations with her and her friends, the, you know, the other group that they go to party with, a lot mm -hmm. of the the conversations back and forth there were incredibly immersive and in, incredibly entertaining, and I, I really enjoyed a lot of that. The Santa kills were fun. Um, nothing really groundbreaking, but um, it's really difficult because the massacre that takes place at the house, which is, I think, where the film kind of splits off. Up to that point, I'm in love with the film, but then after that, a lot of... It, it just really comes unglued for me, and it's kind of... I, I can't spoil it. That's the, the difficult thing is that I can't really spoil it why I think it does, but I'm trying to piece together what I'm saying here because, I mean, this is so weird. Why I can't say, say why I liked it is spoilers, but yeah, the, the final two thirds of this just dragged on the, the final third, I should say the final third just dragged on and I just, it kept taking me out of it, and I, I wanted to stay invested. The Santa is just completely screwed up. A lot of the behaviors to this thing are just not robotic at all. The way it behaves, the way it interacts, the way it thinks, the way it calculates. I mean, 
a, a Santa, a robotic Santa Claus is able to come up with just the traps that it does, is able to come up with a kind <laughs> of, and I mean, it formulates plans, it formulates, you know, it, it does things that a robot should have no knowledge of doing, and that's a, a huge thing for me. And I, I'm completely surprised that you never uh, integrated one of your biggest rules, um, one that is actually the name of our chat group, because I was absolutely screaming numerous times throughout this, uh, invoking the rule of yours that uh, invariably <laughs> is the the name of our chat for what's for uh, this episode. Um, if you would be so kind as to uh, share with the class. Because I'm surprised you didn't take it yourself. I, I I kind of implied it with her constantly walking away. You know, three or like I counted at least four times in the film she walked yeah. away from this thing when she got it down. But I kind of meant to imply that yes, unfortunately, Tori oh. is a classic weapon dropper. <laughs> yeah, I, I, maybe I must have missed that. But yeah, oh, oh my god, it it just was <laughs> infuriating. I mean. You know, she mentions numerous times that, you know, this thing is after us. Kill it. And she just knocks it down and then just leaves. And it's like, girl, what are you doing? Kill this thing. Dump it in molten lava. Dump a firecracker down its ass. I mean, Jesus. (laughs) I I, I mean, it got it just got to the point, like you said, where it's. Yeah, I, I didn't care after a while. It's like by the time they finally got to the the, you know the, I, I mean I think they go back to the bar where she works at one point. I mean I think there's like two or three times in even in that sequence where the thing still comes to life, and it's like, yeah, Jesus girl, and then you know like all this activity with the cops. It's like, ugh, I I I hated the final third of this. It just. Yeah, it drags me out of the film, and it just ruined what had been one of the best films I, I've seen all year. Because I, I I completely agree. The you know the characters are so much fun. The you know gore is not great, but you know it, it's serviceable for what this kind of film is. The action scenes are great. You know, mm-hmm. there's several big you know confrontations with the robotic Santa that come off really well done. Even if it's not exactly acting like a robot, but there there's still you know. And execution really enjoyable sequences and the combination of blue and neon p- blue and pink neon lighting with Christmas just looks a fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. I I completely was like, okay, this is just an absolutely beautiful look to this. I, I completely loved every, every time that we were walking around in this kind of a universe because it just looks incredible. But ugh, that, 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 that final third just, Wow. Um, I I don't know if it was just, you know, him getting to show off, if there was no editor for this point, if they ran out of funds and they just said, fuck it, let's just use every bit of footage we have. I don't know. But yeah, that, that, the final third is a distraction, not enough to completely derail it. But I, I mean, yeah, this it, this comes down several points for me. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, to go into any further would probably spoil this, but you know, I'll just probably leave it at that. But yeah, it 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 should have been a top ten. Um, I was mm-hmm. thinking top five, but I, I don't know. Um, for me, because I probably rank the Fresh Cuts films for the year end list, maybe it'll show up. More than likely, I it could be an honorable mention depending on 
revisiting at least two or three that I, I I'm kind of on the fence about, but uh, I'll, like I said, just leave it at that. Yeah, and that was part of what I was also implying about the Joe Bagos aesthetic, the beautiful color palette in the film, the oversaturated colors. I mean, it's all just, you know, just top notch Bagos. And so even if this story doesn't really work for you, because it is a flimsy setup, I kind of forgot to mention that that was one of my pet peeves, too. This is a very flimsy setup. We basically get one line on a news report on the television to explain what's actually happening with all of this. And it's like, I guess it's enough, you know, but I, I still would have liked to have seen a little bit more. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's an 87 minute movie. You're not going to jam it full of information. Leave yeah, it a but little you probably could have taken two or, You probably could have taken one or two out of those, uh, you know, fake endings and, you know, replace That's that true. with a, a bigger sequence explaining what's going on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, you know, obviously it, 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 it seems like Don and I both feel that this is a, an imperfect Joe Bagos movie, but, you know, still worth watching. Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. All right, so I would say looks like a Bagos movie, sounds like a Bagos movie. <laughs> it's it hits almost the marks that I want in a Bagos movie. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to categorize because he still is pretty early in his career. He definitely has a pattern that's de- developing. Um, you know, with the cinematography, which I, I think continues into this movie. I love the score. Um, there was a few times during the movie where, you know, it, it just starts booming and I, I really love the sound design. Um, but yeah, I would say like, this is probably, well, not probably in my opinion, it is a step down from like VFW and even bliss for me, but it, it's kind of a weird thing to say. Cause it's like, a movie you still enjoyed, but at the same time, it's also a minor disappointment because I just have learned to like, you know, yeah. when it comes to Joe Bagos, whenever something new from him is announced, I'm like super hyped. And the movie still delivered on a lot of like what I would expect from Bagos. Um, but um, I don't know, man. I like uh, Don was really into the first two thirds. I was kind of like the opposite. Um, I, I liked all the killer robot Santa stuff, but I thought it took a while to get going. I, I didn't mind, like, I've heard a lot of criticism of like the characters and the dialogue and I didn't mind it. I was fine with the conversations, but I do think they, it just lasted like well into the movie. Um, like mm-hmm. by the time I'll, I'll say to try to leave it a little vague, I'll, I'll I'll, by the time our our two protagonists answer the question of will they, won't they, it feels like the movie's <laughs> already damn half over, like, at that point, you know? When, like, the whole time, whether you think, you know, whichever side you land on of the will they, won't they, it's almost like, all right, figure it out and get to it or don't get to it so we can move on to the next thing. But that, it, it goes, like, a while. Um, but, um, but I would say, you know... Uh, I don't want to just repeat everything you guys said because I mostly feel the same way. I still liked it. Um, I still want to watch, check it out again. Like it's fun enough. Just the fact that there's a killer robot Santa in it and some pretty cool kills. And I, I did like the, uh, the various stages of like broken down robot yeah. Santa. We get just as it takes some damage, but like keeps getting up. It almost became like 
funny at some point. Yeah, I mean, because obviously we're not dealing with like a Terminator level like uh, tech here. So it's like still coming at them, but like almost like goofy, like broken down to a goofy looking level, which is fine. I it it went with kind of the tone of like a Christmas horror movie. I'm fine with that. Um, So, yeah, I like I, I, I still found it enjoyable. Um, but you know, it's kind of like, okay, this one from bagels kind of is like almost like in the neutral area of like, I didn't see much growth from bagels in this, but Hey, he still can make a entertaining fun movie. So he can always rest his laurels on that. Um, I, I do, I do want to see like bagels get like a bigger, but I just want to, I'm curious at this point, you know, like what, when is that next step coming and like, what will he do with it? But in the meantime, if he keeps churning out movies like this, I'm probably going to enjoy them every time. So uh, I guess I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I, I kind of said step down half a step down from VFW. I don't, I don't even mean to be that crass. It's just, it's not quite what I expected. It's it seems like Joe maybe just had more fun with this movie, whereas maybe he took VFW and Bliss maybe a little bit more seriously. This is and this is solidly a fun movie. It's probably Joe's most fun movie. Well, maybe VFW for me, but it's still a very fun movie with some great kills, and he's still an amazing director in my opinion. This man, one thing I want to give him props for is he shoots a great love scene. Like we we got that great menage a trois and bliss, and then here, as I mentioned earlier, we get that great love love scene slash death scene with the parallel editing. So the man knows how to be erotic. He knows how to he he knows how to film a, a love scene without taking horror fans out of the film. Because usually I can't stand love scenes in my horror films, but Joe can do it right. So I will absolutely give him credit for that. But, you know, uh, the flimsy setup, I can't really forgive. And a character, I, I don't remember the last time a character did this kind of 180 with me, where I absolutely adore her for the first two acts. And then by the halfway through the third act, I don't even care if she lives or dies because she's made so many terrible decisions from the time that she gets to the police station for the rest of the film, she makes nothing but terrible decisions and it just irks the shit out of me because she comes off as so smart and so strong. And so, like I said, opinionated and with conviction and everything. And then she just turns into a quivering bowl of jello by the end of the movie, making terrible decisions. And I know that's fairly realistic. Not every, <laughs> not every female is used to defending her life against a robot Santa. So you know, sounds, I'll, I'll, sounds like a, Sounds like a character out of a screen movie where, like, the first half of the movie is them explaining why they're too uh, clever and smart for a dumb killer. And then the second half of the movie, they just fall into every trap and trope. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And there are there are a lot of tropes in here. Like I said, that's probably going to be the biggest disappointment for me. It's a, it's a minor disappointment, but it's probably the biggest one of this film. It's just that it's so tropey. You know, Joe Bagos, I, I've never known him to be tropey. I mean, a little bit in Almost Human, there were some stalking, uh, you know, or um, yeah, stalker tropes in there. But since the Mind's Eye, Mind's Eye Bliss VFW, he's never leaned on tropes, and he does in this one. And, you know, obviously, I'm a 50-plus-year-old horror fan, folks. I've seen a shitload of horror, as we all have on this show. And it's just when I see a director with this kind of pedigree, like, maybe this was just a paycheck for him. I don't know. I, I would almost have more respect for it if that was the case. If he was just like, oh, I just wanted to make a movie in, like, three months that I could put out and, you know, 
uh, you know, whatever. There could be some kind of business reasoning, like maybe it was the last movie of his current contract or blah, blah, blah. There's a thousand different reasons why this movie might feel slightly subpar to his last few movies. But it's still, it's, it's, ah, man. And it's funny, too, because, Mike, you made the comment earlier that when you heard Joe Bagos was making a Christmas movie that you were kind of excited. I was the opposite. When I, I love Joe Bagos, but when I heard he was doing a, a killer robotic Santa movie, uh, I kind of frowned a little bit. I'm like, that does not sound like a Joe Bagos movie. And I'm like, I'm sure he's going to make it his own. I'm sure, you know, it's going to look, sound, feel like a movie that he would make. And it absolutely 100% does. But there are other elements in this film that are very non-Joe Bagos-like, and that's where I where it kind of loses it for me. So, you know, a minor. It, it sounds like I'm bitching, but they're all minor gripes because I think the movie is still really, really good. It, it's maybe a hair short of great, but it's still really good, really watchable, really fun, and it still might be an annual watch. I don't. I mean, like you know, last week we did Violent Night. That's 100% going to be an annual watch for me. I'm, I'm buying that on physical media as soon as that comes out. This one, eh, I might not be in as much of a hurry, especially, like I said, considering Bliss and VFW were, were on my top 10 for their respective years. VFW was my number one movie of 2020. Nothing even came close. I fucking adore VFW. So maybe that's the problem. Maybe he's falling into like the Jordan Peele, Ari Aster trap where his first few movies were really fucking good. And now there's a certain expectation of his movies. You know, a lot of people were upset with Nope, you know, after after Jordan's first two movies and they feel like Nope is a step down. I don't agree with that, but, you know, that's their opinion. Um, so it, it's the type of thing where sometimes a director write their first few movies, write a check that the rest of their career can't cash. And that's too bad. I I'm sure he's going to come back with a vengeance on the next one. And ultimately there are still people who absolutely love this movie that are calling it a 10 out of 10. I, I watched multiple reviews today after I watched it, multiple people, podcasters, YouTubers absolutely love this film and great. I'm jealous. I wish I would have liked it more, but like I said, maybe my expectations for Bagos were a little undue. I try to fight that whenever I watch a new movie, but sometimes it's just so hard. Yeah, uh, that's that's how it goes. I, yeah, I, I think I agree. I mean, and I, I feel like this might be like his kind of most straightforward movie because Bliss had a lot kind of going on with it with uh, – just i felt he he like the whole la underground art scene uh was an interesting like setting mm -hmm. for it vfw um it, it, the drug addict creature mutant type stuff i thought <laughs> was pretty clever and like getting together like you know the older cast of uh protagonists was interesting this one was kind of like just straight like, yep, we got a killer robotic Santa, and uh, that's what you're getting. I mean, maybe just because mm -hmm. of the the nature of a Christmas horror movie, and he just kind of figured, hey, people are going to watch this for a killer Santa, so that's what I'm going to give them. Yeah, and and we definitely get that. I mean, there's no denying that. Like I said, this is a, this is a pretty cool Santa. As I said, it's kind of hard to buy him as a robot once you see certain mannerisms that the robot yeah. does. But it's still a great Killer Santa movie, ultimately. It may not be a great Joe Bagos movie, but it's a great Killer Santa movie. So, you know, I'll leave it at that for now. 
I guess we can jump into spoilers now. All right. Well, <laughs> no point in a walkthrough. Robot Santa wakes up, kills people till it gets destroyed. Boom, we're done. <laughs> so, <laughs> so really, it's just a matter of uh, uh, talking, you know, maybe about the kills. I, I, I will say it was nice to see Jonah Ray in a starring role in this film. Um, it, if, if you know Jonah Ray, the name, then you're probably a mystery science theater watcher like myself. But uh, Jonah is the current host of Mystery Science Theater. So us, you know, science fiction nerds know who he is. So it's always great to see him, you know, in a movie. A couple of weeks ago, we got Doug Benson making an appearance in a movie. Now we got uh, Jonah Ray making an appearance here. And, and, and I love his death scene. He actually gets cut in half while he's fucking his girlfriend. <laughs> Holy shit. That was pretty rad. Yeah, um, that, was a pr- that was the first kill, right? I think. Uh, yeah, that was the first one, yep. Because they were at the store where the, where the statue was that came to life. Blah, blah, blah. Now, I also only watched the movie once. I wanted to watch it a second time just to refresh on some details, but I, didn't they keep... Because it was like a, the Santa, it was like a retired or like... Recalled. I guess, recalled De- Department of Defense, like security thing or something like that. Oh, oh, these were these were military drones. These were basically robots with military software in them. So they were meant to be killing machines. So technically, this robot is doing exactly what it was programmed to do. But uh, apparently the project didn't get funding from the government. So they they basically reclassified the, the robots as Santas and they sold them as, you know, mall Santas. That, you know, and even the commercial for it at the beginning of the movie is pretty, pretty entertaining how it's got like a 40,000 word vocabulary and it'll, it'll replace even in the commercial. I think they say it replaces the stupid drunk Santas you've been hiring for years or something like that, which is hilarious because when it's going on, it's killing rampage. It pretty much sticks to like every cliched Santa phrase. <laughs> that's true. Absolutely. Oh, man. So, yeah, that's what I mean about the like, one line of backstory that we get. I'm not going to say it's not enough. For some people, it's going to be more than enough, because like I said, it's a Christmas horror movie. We don't need it to be ultra cerebral, and that's fine. But, you know, with this well, that, that, attached. Yeah. yeah, that's what I the reason I asked, because I couldn't figure out if I was just misremembering that maybe we did get a little more background. Cause like what I would compare, like, so like the child's play remake, right? Like we get a clear reason why yeah. the Chucky doll goes rogue because the, the mm-hmm. disgruntled worker enters like a malicious line of code. And yep. this, in this one, I remember that it was like some type of military thing, but I wasn't, I couldn't remember if like, okay, so it's just always bad when it's on, I guess, or it views every every single living thing as a threat once it's turned on, as opposed to like something actually triggering it to be bad. It's just designed that way, I guess, from the get go. Exactly. I, I would have liked it a lot more if there was some kind of catalyst for this thing waking up, like maybe, you know, somebody like tased it as a joke or something or somebody bumped into it and it hit an outlet. I, I don't know, something stupid. This thing literally just wakes up. And just decides, I'm going to kill everybody. Um, and that's a little flimsy for me. Like I said, ultimately, it is a Killer Santa movie, so it's not like we need volumes of backstory. But I yeah, still would like to have seen more. It, that, and that's that's why when I said, um, I think it was still in general thoughts, I was kind of making the point that, like, it's it's a fun movie. But for, like, Bagos, usually it seems like he tries to... I wouldn't say, like, oh, he's trying to make this multi-layered movie every time, but... 
usually he'll give a little more than just straight up like, oh, it, it's just bad when it gets turned on. Like, are you, the, I would have thought there was like a little more to like the killer Santa robot. Yep, definitely. It was also cool to see Jeff Daniel Phillips in here and kind of make up for the terrible Monsters movie that we got <laughs> earlier in the year. Um, Jeff, Jeff Daniel Phillips must really enjoy movies filled with F-bombs because, yeah, the, the first half of this movie, it's just fuck, 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 fuck. Which is fine, because that's how 20-somethings are. 20-somethings who drink swear a lot. That's just the nature of things. Um, but yeah, um, I, I did get elements of Rob Zombie in here, kind of the, the the more gritty filmmaking that Zombie was doing early on, like House of a Thousand Corpses type style. You know, you, you see the oversaturated colors, the grainy film, things like that. Um, it almost seems like maybe Bagos got some pointers, you know, from watching Rob Zombie movies since it seems I think Rob's been making movies for at least five years longer than Joe. So who knows? Well, it, it looks it looks like early Rob Zombie, like House of a Thousand Corpses, like the blues and the greens. Exactly. Yeah. The oversaturated colors, everything. Yeah. I, I, I you know, it, it, I can't say it enough. It, it is solidly a Joe Bagos movie. It's just it, it feels like it was written by David Gordon Green. <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh no <laughs> sorry halloween fans I, i'm gonna i'm gonna be on that kick for at least another year so <laughs> are, are you are are you telling me Corey's in there somewhere <laughs> uh he might as well have been well no actually i should shut up this movie's a thousand times better than halloween ends <laughs> i'll shut up <laughs> Corey versus killer santa uh that might have been fun though or, or killer santa versus michael you know a robotic killer santa against michael myers who knows i don't know crossovers we're always thinking crossovers folks <laughs> all right so um let's see continuing with the kills uh, we get, you know, we get like a, a oh, we get a nice curb stomp on a set of stairs. Um, and that's during the love scene slash death scene, you know, with the parallel editing. It ends with a great little um, head, uh, curb stomp. And then the one thing I, I give every filmmaker credit for, he unmercifully kills a child in this movie. And I'm so down for it. Um and it's, not, I mean, we don't get to see Axe enter body by any stretch, but we see him take the swing, and then we see the kid's dead body later. Um, one of the one of the girls uses the dead body as like a uh, almost like a shield against Santa's axe. So this poor kid gets axed twice. <laughs> but so anyway, any director that that has those balls to kill a kid that violently in a movie, I applaud you, sir. Um, and then, you know, uh, what else do we have for kills? I mean, we've got we got a split head, not not a decapitation, but literally split down the middle. Whereas Jonah Ray was split almost his whole body, like all the way down to his waist, was basically split in half for the first kill. I don't remember how he killed uh, Jonah's girlfriend, uh, the other girl, or the girl in the toy store. I vaguely forget. I know he broke a couple of necks. He broke Tori's sister's neck. Um. Well, he steps on the the next door neighbor and he crushes his head under. His yeah, head. yeah, he curbs. That was the curb stomp. He curb stomps yeah. him on the stairs. So awesome. That was rad. And literally at the same time, Robbie is next door eating out Tori in this beautifully, you know, parallel edited scene. I just, I just really, really like that scene. The the, the way it was edited. I, I mentioned the score earlier. There's just. Um, the yeah, they, the, they definitely carried on that scene for a little bit. <laughs> man, it didn't feel like he was like really going down on her. Like the very first shot when he pulls her panties to the side and buries his face in there. I'm like, holy shit, is he really going down on this girl? Is, are, are they like a couple in real life or something? Like that was the most 
convincing oral sex I've ever seen in a non-porn. <laughs> Let's just go with that. <laughs> yeah, and then well, he doesn't even get to get laid, the poor guy. Well, that's what I was thinking, because I was like, this is going on for a while. Are they even going to get to like the next stage in whatever they have agreed to do? But nope, that was... Well, I think at the she, end, when she intent. leaves... Yeah, because yeah. she says, like, don't go anywhere, I think. Yeah, and... she said she was going down to get some more whiskey and that she was going to come back up. Um, so, yeah, it, it was like halftime. You know, they weren't done. Or she <laughs> she finished once, obviously, but uh, it was halftime for him. But unfortunately, the shit hits the fan right after that. Literally, as after she, you know, gets her hoo-ha eaten out, uh, she goes downstairs to the kitchen to get the, uh, the whiskey and then looks out the window and sees Santa chop up the kid next door. And then Santa instantly looks up, sees her in the window, and then that's it. You know, he, he, once he sees someone, he doesn't give up on him. You know, he's got that, uh, well, I mean, it's a very military uh, type of thinking. But, yeah, I mean, first of all, <laughs> the, the fact that they took military droids and turned them into Santas, like, Somebody better have lost their fucking job for this because holy shit, who had this idea? Because what it feels like, and, and I'm a computer programmer, so a lot of what I'm about to say probably doesn't make a lot of sense to people, but it's very obvious that these prog- that these robots were just reprogrammed. They didn't mm-hmm. have their hard drives wiped and then start from source code. They literally just... Um, what they probably did is they probably put red flag markers on all the kill actions, like all the kill and assault actions, and then just left all the friendly ones where he waves and talks and everything else. And with something like that, all it takes is one minor glitch and it's right back into kill mode. And that's exactly what we get here, though we don't really see what the glitch is other than the robot just gets sick of standing around saying ho, ho, ho. So, you know. Uh, so yeah, that's your that's your computer programming lesson for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's almost yeah, like an Ed two hundred nine where it just views everything as a threat, even big if it's time. not supposed to. <laughs> big time, big time, yeah. So, but it also makes sense that the government would take a shortcut to try to sell these things off and make some money on their you know botched project, their military drone project. So yeah, blah blah blah. Oh, man, what else we got for some kills? Uh, we, we get a cop that gets his uh, head blown off with a 12-gauge. One of the reasons that I really start to lose uh, my like for Tori is that she literally witnesses this thing take about a half dozen shots with a shotgun, three of them from the first cop that she meets up with, and then like two or three more from the sheriff, uh, Jeff, Phillip, uh, Jeff Daniel Phillips' character. So she's seen this thing take like a half dozen shotgun shells. What's the first fucking thing she goes after in the police station? A goddamn shotgun. <laughs> I'm like, you might as well attack him with an ice cream stick, honey. What what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, I, I don't know. It almost felt like they were implying that she didn't realize it was a robot until very late in the movie. And if that's what they're implying, then I dislike her even more because that makes her a moron, too. <laughs> I'm sorry, once you see this thing take multiple shotgun shells and then just get right back up, on top of the fact that you can hear the robot sounds, every time this thing moves, you hear the whirring of the gears inside of them, yet she's completely ignoring this, so... Yeah, yeah it kind of like, has a robocopy like sound when it's uh exactly like like around. he's walking normal i mean he's the actor is barely trying to look robotic and then they just add robot sounds well that's a funny <laughs> thing like before we get to see like the robot exoskeleton i guess 
it really just moves like a person. Like there's not even an attempt. Like it doesn't have like the robocop. It's almost like a Terminator before they start shedding the skin through damage where it it's literally a human. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially, there's one scene where the Santa is in the back of an ambulance and Tori's like driving away. You can see the Santa inside how he's writing himself, like his balance. The way he's balancing is like no fucking robot can do that. A robot would have tipped over by now. Um, and then the very first scene when the robot first after he kills Jonah Ray and his girlfriend and he's just walking in the street, he's, he's not doing anything but walking in the street and you're looking at it and like, dude, that's a fucking human. That's not remotely a robot. Like, and trust me, folks, I've already mentioned I'm a science fiction geek. So I do follow like robotics and uh, automatons in real life. No fucking robot on this planet looks that realistic. And there's some, there's some pretty realistic ones out there. Japan and Honda specifically have made some amazing uh, automatons out there, but nothing like what we see in this movie. And this movie's set in present day. You know, maybe if it was set in like, you know, uh, the, the not too distant future, maybe I might have accepted it a little bit more, how, how fluid his motions are and everything else. But yeah, it's, it's a little hard to swallow. But again, I don't think you're supposed to think watching this movie. This isn't a movie that we're, we're supposed to try to, you know, peel back layers and, and try to talk about commentary or to overanalyze things, which I always do. I'm sorry, folks, but it's just what I do. It's my job. I overanalyze. I'm an analyst for real. And I'm an analyst when it comes to podcasting and horror movies. So um, if you're going to give me a movie like this, I'm going to tell you, you know, what's wrong with it as far as with its storytelling and things like that. But uh, I don't know. I don't even know what my original point was. Let's move on. <laughs> I, I did really like the green glowing eyes, and I was almost afraid. Yes. I, I was almost afraid for a little while that, uh oh, is this just like a cool looking feature on the poster? But it's not going to happen in the movie. But eventually, yeah, we did get like the uh, the the laser guided eyes, which I, I thought was a really cool looking. The laser eyes were cool, but we never did technically get the eyes that we see on the poster where where they're just True. glowing green. Yeah. Um, That's true. I still, I mean, I, I'll still take what we got. I like the green lasers for, for whatever it's worth. I do like those green, the, the look of the green lasers coming out of his eyes. It almost looks like a weapon. It almost looks like he's shooting a laser at somebody. Um, but yeah, that image on the poster I thought was really cool. I would have loved to have seen that version of the robot for just one kill. Just for one kill. Give me the glowing green eyes without the lasers, you know, shot out getting shot out through it but you know they did what they could I, I i still think it looks good the robot looks good you know the only time that it's truly a robot is at the end when it's already gone through a shitload of damage one of its arms has been ripped off blah 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 um what else uh let's see robbie gets axed in the face uh against the car against the cop car <laughs> that was pretty rad um uh, like the poor guy like 15 minutes after he went down on this girl, he's got to die. I feel bad for him. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Multiple cop, uh, two. Obviously, the two cops at the station get taken out. Um, once those cops get taken out, that's pretty much it for kills in the movie for their last. I don't I don't know. I didn't actually time it, but it felt like the last 15 to 20 minutes of the movie is just the robot and Tori. Uh, basically, the robots chasing her, you know, from the police station out onto the street. Eventually, Tori does go back to her record store and um, 
breaks in, tries to hide in there. Well, I mean, she tries to use the phone. And this at that point, that's what the second time she had walked away from this thing. Like I said, folks, I'm not fucking joking. I counted four times in this movie that she got the robot down and then walked away. Just it, that really irks the shit out of me. You literally witness this thing, kill your sister, kill her husband, kill your employee slash fuck buddy, like all of this awful death and destruction. And then as soon as she gets the thing down, she walks away from it. She dropped the taser like that was the first thing I gave her credit for in the movie when she picked up the taser. I'm like, finally, she's starting to understand it's a fucking robot. You know, you might be able to do, you mean, I don't know if a police taser could actually damage that robot, but at least it makes sense. You know, it, 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 it as an offensive plan, it makes sense. And oh, then, of oh, course, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to, because I think you're getting to it, but a lot of the, uh, the sequence towards the end reminded me kind of like the end of Terminator once they're in the warehouse yes. and the, the Terminator once like it's, it's uh, lost its legs mm-hmm. and it's crawling around after her, that sequence in, in this reminded me, I like, I was almost thinking that like, okay, she's going to kill it. And if she kills it and says you're terminated fucker, oh, I was God. like, <laughs> no. it, it, it just totally made me think of that. Well, <laughs> once, uh, she was one-on-one with it, you know, uh, it, it, it came out very inspired by it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Oh, Joe, Joe was actually in this movie. I forgot to mention, he does play a small part, Benny, who I don't even remember who Benny was in the movie, but there it is. He played someone named Benny. Graham Skipper is in this movie too. Wow. (laughs) There's actually more names in here than you'd give it credit for. Like, I, I mean, honestly, I couldn't pick out Joe Bagos in a, in a lineup anyway. I never watched an interview with him. I have no idea what he looks like, but uh, I should know what Graham Skipper looks like. I've seen him multiple times, and I did not notice him in this movie. So there you go. Oh, I, that was the husband. That was uh, Tori's sister's husband was Graham Skipper, if I, right? I think so. That's the guy they were calling. Yeah. Mike. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Okay. Yeah. So he played the the douchebag husband. All through the movie, they were calling him a douchebag before we even got to him, before we even met him. And then as soon as they get to the house, they're already being stalked by the Santa. And they're just constantly telling him to shut the fuck up because he doesn't know what's going on. No one has taken the time to tell him, hey, we're being stalked. So he's, you know, talking at full volume, not realizing that everyone's trying to be quiet. So I almost felt bad for him. But, you know, what are you going to do? We don't actually get to see his death. That happens off screen. A movie like this should have no off-screen deaths, man. If you're going to give us great deaths like heads splitting and, you know, heads being pinned to a fucking cop car with an axe, nothing should be off-screen. They don't all have to be spectacular kills. Like, you can give us just a basic decapitation or, you know, a a basic chop to the back or something, whatever the case may be. But, yeah, off-screen, unnecessary, Joe. Keep all the kills on screen. It's a fun Christmas horror movie. And what's fun about it for me is to see those kills. So, yeah, leave them all in there. Oh, man, what else? Uh, I'm trying to – I'm looking through my notes here. Curb stomp, spectacular synth score throughout this film. Just just shades of the 80s all over it. Not just in its score, but in its filmmaking, too. That's one of the great things I like about Bagos' movies, too, because they could literally be, they could have been made in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and, you know, you'd believe it. This movie definitely looks like it could have, hap- could have uh, come out in the 80s, other than the fact that there's cell phones and shit like that, but still. Um, oh, yeah, who gets the neck twist? 
Oh, the white, uh, the sister. The sister gets her neck twisted. Uh, Tori's sister gets her neck twisted until her neck breaks. Uh, and then the husband, like I said, his kill is off screen. Multiple great um, axe chops in this movie. As Joe Bob would say, excellent axe foo in this movie. Some great axe foo, definitely. Now, to Don's point about this robot being so, like, tactical and smart it bothered me that at certain points in this movie especially at the police station the robot actually played cat and mouse with tori like like did you notice how he knew that she was under that desk like he looked over saw her there and then he walks up to the desk and rather than just flip it over like he had been doing with all the other desks he actually walks away making tori think that what he didn't notice me so it's literally him fucking with her it's like, how does a robot come up with that kind of uh, douchebaggery? Yeah. That you know, so yeah, Don had it right. This robot's almost too smart for its own good. Um, it almost felt like it was enjoying it sometimes. It's not like it cracked a smile or anything like that. But like I said, when it was playing cat and mouse with Tori, I'm like, are you enjoying this? Like, what is going on here? <laughs> Uh, I love the balls that Tori had for lighting a joint in the bathroom of the of a police station. Like, that's some balls right there. <laughs> I don't know that I could ever do that, but good job there. And then in the very next scene, she drops her goddamn weapon. Multiple times, she drops her weapon in this movie. But the one that really pisses me off the most is when she gets the car on top of Santa. At one point, she uh, she drives a police car into another car that car then flips over onto Santa. Uh, so it's, he's pinned on the ground. And what does she do? The axe is right there next to him, and she leaves the fucking axe and walks away. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You left him with his weapon. It's like you want to die. I, I just, I, it really bothered me. You know, little things like that just really irk the shit out of me. Uh, also, how did she not get electrocuted when she stabbed it with He-Man's sword? Did you notice that He-Man's sword didn't have any, like, uh, protection on the hilt? It didn't have a leather, like, I rewound it and checked. It was solid metal all the way down to the handle. Nothing grounding the handle. Nothing protecting the holder from electricity. She literally stabs this thing. We see electric sparks everywhere, but she's completely unaffected. So, uh, again, some suspension of disbelief there. Uh, and, yeah, like I said, ultimately the longest fucking antagonist death that I can remember. I can't remember a horror antagonist taking this long to die in a single scene. I don't mean like, you know, they think he's dead in one scene and then they go on to another scene. No, no, no. In one single scene, this thing gets put down like three or four times. And every fucking time Tori, you know, kind of has this sense of relief, like, Oh, finally it's dead. And I'm screaming at the TV. Like, why the fuck do you think it's dead? It's a robot. And then literally right before the robot finally went down for the last time, he actually chopped off three of Tori's fingers with the axe. And I laughed. I'm sorry. In the theater, I laughed. I said, you deserve that. <laughs> you absolutely deserve that. So at the very least, she's scarred leaving this situation because honestly, how she even survived this is beyond me. All the mistakes she made, all the times that she walked away from this thing thinking it was dead and literally five seconds later, it sits up like the undertaker. It's like, nah, dude, come on. You're going to learn your lesson eventually. And like I said, the fact that she kind of relied on guns at first, it's like you're dealing with a robot. You know that it's a robot at this point. Why are you trying to shoot it? You know, figure something out. Like I said, she grabbed the taser. Good job. 
Uh, she started the um, the sprinkler system in her record store. Again, good job. See, now she's thinking. By that point, though, she had already lost me. It was going to be really hard for her to win me back. And unfortunately, she never won me back. So, you know, the Tori is our only survivor for the movie. Pretty much everyone that we meet in the film is wiped out. And we basically see this, you know, skeleton, not quite T-1000-like or T-800, whatever Arnold was. But, uh, yeah, just, uh, uh, you know, a shambles of, you know, broken Santa suit, partial beard, partial hat on a basically metal skeleton. It actually wasn't bad looking. And the fact that it actually moved like a robot at that point, at least, you know, I appreciated that. So... Like I said, there's a lot to take. There's a lot of positives to take away from this film. Definitely more positives than negatives by far. But you know, it's still it's still going to be like I said, a half step below what I would normally expect from Joe Bagos. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I, I mean, I mean, to compare to Joe Bagos's work, the only other thing I, I mean, outside of VHS is that I saw almost when it came out, and I that's been the once. I, I still haven't seen Bliss. That's still on my list, but out of the three, um, it's probably in the middle, only because I don't have much to say on Almost Human, because I, I, I saw it when it came out, and that's been it. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, Almost Human wasn't great, but it had a lot of... It, it was kind of like this movie. Like It had a lot going for it. It had a lot of cool set pieces, things like that, but it was definitely an imperfect movie. And then Joe puts out three practically perfect films with the Mind's Eye, Bliss, and VFW. Obviously a matter of opinion. You know, not everyone's going to think the way I do. But in my opinion, he puts out three amazing films. And then he puts out this fun movie, like I said, quote-unquote fun. And there's nothing wrong with the director having fun and, you know, giving us an 87-minute robotic killer Santa movie. It's just one of those things like, you know, you wouldn't expect – you wouldn't necessarily expect a rape revenge movie from Martin Scorsese, let's say. So I definitely did not expect the killer robot Santa movie from Joe Bagos. So I'm going to leave it at that folks watchable. And I would still recommend it, but it's, I can almost guarantee it's not going to be in my top 10 at the end of the year. I agree. I think there's plenty of pros to it, but uh, I still would side with VFW and even Bliss as kind of like peak Bagos at this point. Yeah, for me, VFW, but I mean, VFW, it's kind of a guilty pleasure with me. Just watching these gang members get completely decimated by guys my age. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a, a connection with that movie that I have that a lot of people might not. Plus, I used to actually hang out at a VFW. Um, there, there used to be one in Pittsburgh back when I went to college in Pittsburgh, there was one down the street. Um, I wasn't supposed to be in there because I'm not a veteran. I've never served, but uh, a buddy of mine basically lied for me and got me in there and blah, 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 blah. And it was a cool place. Everybody in there was awesome. All, all the retired soldiers and even the current soldiers, you know, the guys that were home, you know, on break or whatever, all really friendly, really great people. Um, so, like I said, I've got that kind of connection to VFW. So maybe that's why I look at that as an absolute 10 out of 10, my number one movie of 2020, blah, blah, blah. Whereas with this one, not as much connecting me to this one as uh, VFW. But, you know, to each his own. Agreed. Is that, is that going to wrap us up for uh, Christmas, bloody Christmas? Yeah, I think so. I'm in the mood for a candy cane. Let's get out of here. 
All right, then. So, uh, let's find out, I guess. I'm like, where do we go from here? Well, I know. <laughs> find out where else uh, people can hear us. So, Venom, what do we got that's out and new? Thank God we haven't done this show for four years, huh? You might have forgotten our format. <laughs> yeah, wow. I know. How about that? Oh, <laughs> uh, All right, what do we got next? The main show, yes, uh, finally, No More Room in Hell, episode 49 is out. It is official. Uh, we looked at uh, Derek's picks on that one, City of the Living Dead and Cemetery of Terror. We also have some cool conversations because it's our first show in like two months. So we have some cool longer opening segments than usual, just kind of catching up with everything. Uh, let's see. Feature Comforts, episode 14 um, is our the, la- the last episode that was available. Right. Or no, no. 13 was the last one that was released. We have recorded episode 14. And uh, once again, uh, only for the second time in the history of the show, we've looked at a brand new movie, like literally within the week of its release. And that is, of course, Troll on Netflix. Um, I'll I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler. I really enjoyed it. I think everybody should watch it. (laughs) I had a really good time with it. It is Norwegian. It's like half Norwegian, half English as far as um, language goes. So there will be some subtitle reading. But uh, I talk about on the show why I love when movies do dual languages, you know, so check that out. Fun show. I Uh, I liked it a lot, too. Yeah. I mean, I I think we all on the show really enjoyed it. You know, Um, beautiful effects. I mean, I was comparing it to uh, Kong Skull Island multiple times during the review because there were scenes in here. You know, even though, yes, this is a big budget movie from Norway, the mere fact that it's from Norway, I would never expect um, those kind of effects, those kind of just gorgeous effects, and they are gorgeous in this movie. So yeah, go ahead and check out Troll if you get a chance, and check out episode 14. Once that is out, I already gave you half the review, but yeah, uh, I'm still in the editing process on that one, so I will have it out before Christmas, definitely. Crystal Lake Gift Shop, a uh, um, little bit of a hiatus. Obviously, we kind of had a busy October, and it looks like December is also turning into another busy month for us with guest spots. So we may not do another episode this month, but I I would say count on January, us coming back to the gift shop there to talk some more Friday the 13th, the series. And then my one guest spot that I can talk about that was finally recorded is probably like, what, two months overdue since I was supposed to do an October episode with Cut to the Chase. But unfortunately, you know, time got away from us, but I finally did get a chance to join them on 12 Days of Chase Miss. And my movie was 1972's Whoever Slew Auntie Rue. Wow, that all rhymed. That was cool. Um, so, yeah, check that out. Uh, I'm not sure if that episode's out yet, but if it's not, it should be out shortly. Once again, had another really great time with it. And I love Shelly Winters, so you probably can tell what I'm going to say about the movie. And I think that's it for me, Mike. All right, Don, how about you? Yeah, uh, number 14 of Creature Comforts is uh, recorded. Yeah, we're, we just did that one a couple days ago, and uh, it was a ton of fun. Uh, you know, not just the conversation, but the movie itself. So uh, definitely look forward to that one. Um, I will be... Uh, I, I thought we were supposed to be recording uh, Cut to the Chase because my film is Christmas Bloody Christmas. So kind <laughs> of review. <laughs> yeah, kind of uh, one of the reasons why uh, I kind of kept my uh, thoughts to myself there, just so that way I could have a, a little bit more to discuss without sounding like a broken record on uh, that show. But 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that that one uh, was supposed to have recorded yesterday. Apparently, uh, plans have changed, and that's going to be a little bit later on in the week. So I'm not sure when that's going to come out. And uh, the only other thing uh, for me is uh, the first month of um, Horror Countdown is already recorded. So uh, I've already got uh, four episodes in the can. None of them have been edited, but uh, they're already recorded. And uh, definitely looking forward to that because we have uh, some very fun topics to come in up for that one. So, (laughs) yeah, uh, since... Nah, I'll save it, save it. No, I'm not going to reveal anything <laughs> there, but... Um, no spoilers. Yeah, yeah um, that should be coming to you sooner than you think. So uh, definitely be on the lookout for that. But uh, other than that, uh, the only other thing is a few guest spots coming down the way as part of um, crossovers with my show. But uh, since we haven't even recorded their version yet, and uh, they're coming up in January, uh, nothing to discuss there. But... Uh, Look for some more guest spots uh, coming up just as soon as the uh, the year rolls over, I guess I should say. So that's uh, pretty much it for me. All right. Yeah, for me, just No More Room in Hell, number 49, is available now. And other than that, I should be, reco- be recording my guest spot on chase miss uh pretty soon i would say um may possibly this week um and then for the main show probably i think we're doing a christmas commentary on something we got to pick a movie but that those are usually easy to put together and uh i think that's all i currently got that's out there um i i kind of got sidetracked with the watch this movie mike just because it was already kind of like a low priority and just busy parts of the year so maybe in 2023 i'll try to bring it back and start grabbing some more guests for that and yeah that's all i really got uh is there is there anything theatrical this week i don't think so is there like mean one. what's that mean one the mean oh one. the mean one uh, the Grinch yeah, movie. I think it's the uh, Grinch ripoff. Okay. I mean, if there's nothing better, I guess. I'm not excited to see it, but... I mean, then again, I did like the banana splits, so maybe it'll surprise me. <laughs> yeah. I'm just All saying, right. I mean, yeah. uh, just to keep it in like, with the holiday theme, I think that's kind of like the, the other yeah. big one. Because I, I noticed that there's like three or four that just dropped on Tubi. Like Nutcracker Massacre and like Curse of Jack Frost or something. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I talked about the Curse of Jack Frost on the last main show. It was one of my what we've been watching movies. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't oh. recommend it. <laughs> well, if we oh, if we uh, if you know, I, I like the studio, I, I, I know I've pretty much watched everything that the, the studio that made it has done. So, yeah, I mean, I, I cut it some slack and I, I did enjoy parts of it. But my biggest issue with it was Jack Frost's voice. I hated his voice. It, it just it was so loud and booming. You couldn't even really tell what he was saying half the time. I ended up having to turn subtitles on for a couple of his lines. The kills are okay, pretty bloodless. You know, it's almost like a PG-13 movie. Well, I, I know the studio. I mean, I, I've seen mm-hmm. I, I've seen their work, so it's not like I'm really expecting much. I mean, there's probably, like, cutaways or, it, what is it, like, CGI, if there's anything like that's actual physical contact? Um, there's very little physical contact. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, is that if there is physical contact, it's CGI, right? Um, pretty much. I mean, it's such an, 
unmemorable film. I've already forgotten most of it. I, I watched it like uh, two okay. weeks ago. Um, okay, I, yeah. No, well, mm-hmm. I'm saying I, I'm familiar with the studio that made it, so I mean that's kind of one of the things. Yeah, I mean if you're already aware of you know the kind of stuff they do, you'll probably like it. Like it's the same thing when I go into an asylum movie. I know what I'm in for, you know. So I end up not hating them usually, unlike Mike. <laughs> uh, well, if, if you know, if we're not like uh, forcing ourselves to stick to like holiday uh, theme stuff, there is like a movie dropping on Prime, I think, on the 16th called Nanny. Uh, that's, that's getting that's good buzz, good. actually. Yeah, yeah. It's, get, it's getting good buzz. I actually went to go like look it up today because I didn't realize – for some reason, I thought it was already like out there available. But mm-hmm. then I went to Amazon Prime and said uh, it available. It, it was either the 15th or the 16th. So that – I mean that would be the end of this week. So if we can't find anything else, that's the option. Yeah. And then well. we will end the year with uh, Scare Package 2. That's right. That's the one I'm excited for. Not that Scare Package was like, you know, some masterpiece by any stretch, but I, it, it was a guilty pleasure for me. I really enjoyed it. And jo- any any movie with Joe Bob in it, I'm down for. <laughs> and uh, I think there's going to be uh, a lot more to like here because I think they have a stronger cast of de- of directors. Nice. I thought you were going to say a stronger cast of derelicts. I was like, yeah. damn. <laughs> no, I'm saying there's a stronger uh, collection of directors. Yeah, yeah. cool all right well with that we're gonna get out of here so thank you everybody for listening we will catch you next time let's say bye to our listeners later and for the second week in a row folks please stay off the naughty list it's just not worth it yeah ex-military does not mix well with retail i guess